Tegan, how's the move going? Oh, Chris, moving is the worst. You don't want to do it again? It's fun. Unfortunately, we'll be doing it again after our home renovations are completed. But yes, it is the worst. I don't recommend it. Do you know where anything is? It's in boxes, Chris. Well, that explains, I mean, our listeners can only hear the audio. You know, we've got video going. That explains your outfit right now. <laughs> it also explains why I haven't taken a shower in two days. I, I so. mean, really, was that, that was all you had? Was That's like a pullover from the 1990s, I think. When did you get that? little newer than that. I think it's probably 15 years old, but yes. It looks good on you. We shouldn't, anyhow, we should all have compassion for Tegan and the Goddard family. There's a little moving going on. So if you're not ready to unpack boxes, can we at least unpack the 2024 presidential election? Oh, nice segue, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a professional. Let's talk a little DeSantis and Trump because I know you know there were four polls earlier this week, all of which showed Trump beating DeSantis. In addition, Tegan Goddard wrote this week on Political Wire, only Trump can beat Trump right now. And he, i.e. you, wrote, polls suggest the biggest obstacle Trump faces for his party's nomination right now is himself. An indictment or two or three, that was funny, that's clever writing, would certainly complicate his run. Understandably, that might make some GOP voters uncomfortable about choosing him as their nominee, if he could end up in prison. For any other politician, an indictment would immediately end their campaign, but it might actually help Trump. An indictment would cause Trump's hardcore supporters to rally around him. That would only make it much harder for his primary challengers, who are trying to woo Trump voters, to criticize him. The combination of the two might actually make Trump invincible. Does that still resonate with you? Since I only wrote it a few hours ago, Chris, (laughs) yes, I haven't proven myself wrong yet. But I will say the reason for this is that, I mean, this is such a unique race and the fact that you've got a former president of the United States running for his old job again. And one thing about primaries and one thing about these contested primaries are that the primary is where you get to know the candidate. So someone like Ron DeSantis, someone like Nikki Haley, maybe Senator Tim Scott, they need to approach the primary process. They need to introduce themselves to voters, make sure that they have a coherent narrative about why they want to be president and all the rest. That's not true with Donald Trump. Everybody knows Donald Trump too much, actually. You yep. know exactly what kind of president he's going to be. And so that changes the entire dynamics of this. And as Rich Lowry was saying earlier, if somebody wants to beat him, They can't just kind of walk around and dance around the guy. Someone has to actually directly take him on. And right now, nobody wants to do that because they're still trying to go after his supporters. So they can't criticize him because they want his supporters. And his supporters are among the most fervent supporters that we've seen in presidential politics. So if you're trying to attract those supporters, you can't really attack the guy they like. It's really tough for all the people trying to run against Trump here. So whose strategy do you like so far? Nikki Haley has come out. She's running. DeSantis is traveling. He's talking, but he's not officially running. Is Tim Scott actually announced or what is Tim no, Scott? No, there's, there's only two. O- only, only two candidates officially in the Trump race, and Haley and, and Nikki Trump. Haley. Whose strategy do you like? Or we'll know more later. I mean, I don't like either of them and we'll know more later. So I'll take both options, Chris. But let's look at Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is in the tough position because she worked for Trump. She said she wasn't going to run if Trump ran. She's changed her mind on that. She came out today, actually, unlike someone like Mike Pence, who's also considering running. She came out today suggesting that she would support Donald Trump if he were to run again. 
She kind of characterizes this position that I suggested in my piece this morning, which is candidates are in a very tough position with Trump. They can't really criticize him too much if they're looking to appeal to his voters and how he's remade the Republican Party. Ron DeSantis has taken a different strategy. He's trying to ignore Trump. But all of those people who ran against Trump in 2016 know that's not going to work either because eventually there's going to be a fight and all of America is going to be watching. And so Ron DeSantis is trying to ease into this and hoping that he can kind of create an image for himself that America will believe before that happens. The biggest problem for Ron DeSantis is most of America and most Republicans don't really know the guy. I mean, it's been a situation where I would bet that most Americans have never heard Ron DeSantis give a speech. And when he avoids the CPAC gathering this week, I think Donald Trump is right. I think he's scared. I think he's scared to take on Donald Trump right now. And Rick Wilson said on Twitter earlier today that it's proof that Ron DeSantis has a glass jaw, that he can't take a punch, and he's trying to avoid Trump. That strategy is only going to work for so long. Eventually, if you're going to run against Trump, you're going to have to take a punch. If you're going to run. By the way, I don't think he's wrong to skip CPAC because to the extent Trump will be there and to the extent that that audience is a pro-Trump audience. Let me tell you, I know you saw the same video. So there were these four polls, each of which showing Trump ahead of DeSantis. And you look at that and you're like, really? Like Trump is ahead on all of them, all of the polls? You know, DeSantis is getting so much press. And then you see the video, and I know you saw it as well, from Brian Kilmeade. And this was uh, how media, I wrote up this video, which you and I both have seen. He co-hosted Tuesday's episode of Fox and Friends from a diner in Florida. And just before going to break, he held an unscientific but revealing poll of diners' favorite candidates in 2024. I love that, unscientific but still revealing. Like It was <laughs> totally unscientific. It was a guy with a microphone asking people who they're going to vote for. Yeah, I think that's unscientific. But as this media piece states, it was really revealing. It's an incredible piece of video. Let's put it in the show notes. I know you posted it earlier as well on Political Wire. So Kilmeade, and now I'm going back to the Mediaite piece, says, all right, 2024, who is pumped up for the election? Kilmeade asked the attendees of the Metro Diner. Rapid fire, who's your man? Who is your woman? The first six respondents all cited former President Donald Trump as their preferred candidate. Now this is, now it's me talking. This is in Florida, DeSantis country. Back to the piece, though two added South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem as a running mate to Trump and two mentioned former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley also as a vice presidential candidate to Trump. Now back to me away from the piece, Kelmead was like looking like, God, my God, is there, we're in Florida here. No, really? No one for DeSantis? So far, a lot of Donald Trump, Kilmeade noted, before finding a woman wearing a shirt emblazoned with the name of the Florida governor. I see Governor DeSantis. What about President DeSantis? Kilmeade asked of the woman. Oh, gosh, I don't know, she replied. Trump or DeSantis, either or. It was crazy. So the one person in the DeSantis shirt was like, uh, yeah, not so much. I mean, like, I've got the shirt, but vote for him? It really was the Republican primary distilled into one clip. And it also, interestingly enough, with Fox News being in the news today, it shows the tricky situation that Fox News finds itself in. There were several reports this week that say that Donald Trump has been soft banned from Fox News, that they're actively trying to not put him on air. 
Fox is not supporting, is not covering the CPAC gathering this week, certainly not to the extent that they've done in past years. And what they've also tried to do is they've offered it as a platform for Ron DeSantis, where he can talk, he can talk about his book. It's literally the only national outlet that Ron DeSantis is willing to talk to right now. And so when they do give this platform, and Chris, it was not only just in Florida, a diner, it was in the congressional district that Ron DeSantis represented. And it showed that even right in his own backyard, he had people who were much more supportive of Donald Trump. So it was a remarkable video. And it really does kind of just show you the forces that are going on here. And Donald Trump is going to be very tough to beat. So Trump is soft banned on Fox. Lauren Boebert is shadow banned on Twitter. There's a lot of banning going on, a lot of shades of banning. Well, I'll bet you after Rupert Murdoch's testimony, I bet you he wished they had a few more bans going on because it may end up costing him uh, over a billion dollars if he loses this legal case. Yeah. And the legal stuff aside, I mean, let's be real. That's not a news organization. There may be a couple of people who have worked as news journalists in their life, but as a platform, good branding, they call it news. It's incredibly offensive to anybody who values news and journalism. I mean, Chris, you and I, for more than 30 years, have talked about the news. I will tell our listeners, we used to have a game back in the day when there was the evening news and people watched it. Those are two different things, remember? One, when there was evening news, and two, when people watched it. When people actually watched the evening news, exactly. We would have a game. We would get back from our classes after spending a day in uh, school doing our problem sets. I was usually helping you with your problem sets. Yeah, 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 I didn't. I didn't uh, have any problems. That was a problem. (laughs) We would try to guess what were the top stories? What was each network going to lead with? What was the story going to be? And it was very funny. And sometimes we'd get it right and sometimes we'd get it wrong. But what we were always trying to do is we were trying to say, what is the most important events that are happening today? Who's covering it? Who's trying to bring the truth out? Who's trying to show people what they need to know? And that is not, if we were doing that game today, you wouldn't be able to guess what's going to be on Fox News on any given night. And if you did guess, it wouldn't be the truth. <laughs> well, well, that's not true. I can guess. It's going to be that Biden is too old, or it's going to be the Biden crime family, Biden overage family, or Pete Buttigieg is a clown or doing something wrong. Hey, what about that Pete Buttigieg? Maybe even a clip on Hillary Clinton thrown in there. It's incredibly disturbing to actually see this unearthed in the text messages from Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, to see this in emails and in testimony of Rupert Murdoch. I mean, it is an embarrassment to anyone who values journalism. And it's why it's hard to take any of it seriously. But I know that that's not what our readers come to get. We're sometimes forced in that situation where we may know what our readers want, but we have to give them their vegetables instead. We have to give them news that maybe they don't want. Maybe they're not going to be so interested in because what we're trying to do is we're trying to show them what's important, what's going on, and what is the truth right now. And that is clearly not what motivates Fox News. And Rupert Murdoch himself admitted it. It was shocking. In fact, you had a piece on Political Wire earlier today who will Rupert Murdoch exile from Fox News? There is some question now that he might have to take some action. You posted the CNN piece that the Fox Corporation chairman is facing an ever-deepening scandal that threatens to cause considerable financial reputational damage, as we just discussed. The stunning levels of misconduct exposed in recent weeks raise questions about the future of Suzanne Scott, the embattled chief executive of Fox News, 
Will she be Murdoch's sacrificial lamb? No moves are currently on the immediate horizon, CNN is told, but it's certainly possible, perhaps even likely, that Murdoch might cancel her in an attempt to save himself and his legacy. Would that be enough? I don't think it would be enough. I mean, I think Rupert Murdoch's legacy is baked at this point. And because it's a tightly controlled corporation, it's not like Rupert Murdoch is in any trouble of being bounced out of his own company. He's got a board of directors. Paul Ryan, one of the board members, actually came out this week saying that he advised Fox to change their tune on Donald Trump and his false allegations of election fraud. What Paul Ryan didn't do, of course, is he didn't step down from the board and from the lucrative payments that he's getting for being on the board. But there is increasing pressure coming from all ends for Rupert Murdoch. But I think the biggest pressure will come from losing a case against Dominion Voting Systems. If he does lose that case, $1.6 billion is not going to bankrupt Rupert Murdoch, but it's certainly going to send a big message that this business model is not working. But does he have to take some action before waiting for Dominion? This is only a legal problem for them. Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, they were worried about losing viewers who were on the conservative side, the Trump supporters. They were worried about losing them to Newsmax or whatever. Now, if they are shadow banning or soft banning Trump, because they have to now kind of protect on that side, are they kind of caught between a rock and a hard place? They have viewers who want Trump, as Brian Kilmeade just found out in that diner. They're trying to, maybe they're trying to back a little bit away from that, is what you were saying earlier. They've got a viewership problem. They have a ridiculousness problem. And yes, there's this legal problem that might come down the pike, but it's not just a legal problem, I don't think. I think they've got a real viewership problem in both directions, both from their very, very conservative viewers and the folks who maybe do turn to Fox for, quote, some news. Maybe there's some people who actually do that. I think that's an excellent point, Chris. I think it neuters Fox News. I think it causes Fox to be less of a player in Republican politics in some ways. It'll be interesting to see how they do this. I I think when you called Suzanne Scott a sacrificial lamb, I think that's exactly what it is. It's a minor sacrifice that they would have to make possibly to restore Fox's image among at least some voters, I guess. Really not going to change my image, but I guess some people might be moved by that. The real moves, though, and the real problems are their primetime hosts, the ones who bring in the viewers and the ones who are, on the one hand, laughing and texting about what nonsense all of this is. And then as soon as they were on camera live, they were singing a different tune. So until something happens to them, it's just very minor around the edges. Fox News is still Fox News with news in quotation marks, of course. Well, we'll see what happens to them. Besides Suzanne Scott, Do you know who else I don't want to see become a sacrificial lamb? Who's that, Chris? You. I think you've got boxes to go unpack. Why don't I let you go? (laughs) Thank you, Chris, for that. And I I look forward to doing that and talking to you next week. Bye, Tegan. Bye, Chris. 